0: Thank you for joining us on this episode of Eminent Teachnology with Dr. Rochelle Newton and Drew Stennett, where we examine current and emerging technologies through the lens of diversity and equality. All right. So hello everybody and welcome back to a new episode of Eminent Teachnology with Dr. Rochelle Newton and Drew Stenet. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks because uh I was on vacation and uh, was slacking and we had not recorded any. <laughs> so hope you all enjoyed the reruns over the last couple of weeks. But uh, today we're going to do a, a fresh one. Uh, what we're going to talk about today is teamwork. Uh, I pulled this topic out of a book called uh, Software Engineering at Google, which is a it's a it's actually a free ebook that I will link in our show notes. Uh, You can buy a physical copy if you want from O'Reilly, but they also uh, the authors also just have a PDF of it, which is what I've been reading from their uh, uh, from their website. I have not finished the book yet, but something that really hits home with me and that I'm very curious to talk about with you, Rochelle, is there's a chapter on uh, what makes a good team and what makes a team like work together well. And they describe it, they have three pillars that they say make a good team. And those three pillars are uh, humility, respect, and trust. And I had always, I feel like I'm a pretty decent, like, coworker to to most folks. And so this sort of, like, rung home with me as a way to verbalize or write down what makes a good team. Uh, teammate, but it also brought up some pieces that I feel like I'm not great at and can definitely improve on. Uh, so I, was, I thought maybe we could walk through each of those and just sort of talk about them and also talk about how they relate to uh, inclusion. Because one thing this chapter points out is they were saying, hey, we have this like great idea of what makes a perfect team member. And after a while, they were like, oh, are we just picking people like us? <laughs> to be on our team because we see them they described it as googly like hey we think this person is googly and they'll work well with us does that mean that we're just picking other people that are exactly like us and we know we're going to you know walk the line on what we think is right so they point out in this chapter that they had to sort of like walk through what all of these things meant and write them down and make sure that they were still being inclusive and not just being not just other people that uh that agreed with uh with their way of thinking all the time.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I think one of the interesting things about teamwork and I'll, I'll tell you this in, in correlation to uh, text and collaboration. Mm-hmm. So um, when my colleague left and I was given that ultimatum that I had to absorb his team and his work, you know, I was a bit shocked by that because one, you know, this was work I had not done for years and two, his team was used to working this way and I worked this way. And, uh, one of the first things that came to mind was how often we would call on you or you would call on us and say, "Hey, I'm going to come over there and teach you something. I'm going to come over there and bring something to help you learn something new. And it wasn't specifically things that like, so I remember when uh, you did GitLab and then you did, um, uh, what's the other one that you did? Um, I can't remember. OpenShift
0: or OKD uh, or Splunk or we did, open we did a shift. bunch of fun ones, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah. OpenShift, you know, like these are not areas we were even looking into or interested in. We were, you know, on these other sides of things that we we're focusing our, our efforts on. And one of the interesting things about forming a team or being a part of a team is the desire to collaborate with others for the benefit of others. So, it helped my team to have access to central IT because we had resources that we didn't have to go looking for. So we didn't have to put in a service now ticket, or we didn't have to go, you know, check out who the organizational chart who was a. But there were people that were a part of a team that you could pose any question to and get some response that may help you um, work through whatever the problem you were in. So one is is absolutely having collaboration and collaboration beneficial. Collaboration is what I call it. So it's not just. One sided. So you come and teach us everything there's to know about OpenShift and you don't get anything out of it. How do we help you at the same time? So that's one part. But I do think that, you know, so humility, right? So most of us think we are humble, right? Most of us don't because, you know, we don't go around bragging we're the smartest, best, you know, whatever it is. We don't. We think we're humble. But but really, you know, if you take any topic, so you know, you know Linux and you know all these systems really well. But if you were to encounter someone who had been working in Linux since they were 10, you would find yourself kind of you know, in awe that there's just oh, yeah. really, really, and managing humility and managing our ability and how we see ourselves in relation to others. Do we, do, is it our first nature to compete, right? So I wanna be the smartest Linux person on the team or do we see ourselves as being a part of a team and the knowledge of all the team members come together to create a good team. So is it a composite or is it the whole? So is it just this one person who knows everything Linux, they know Linux backwards forward, or is it someone who just starting working out in Linux, someone who knows, you know, uh, Apple, Apple's Linux or someone who knows, um, you know, uh, what is it? The uh, B- What is that thing called? B- BSD or... BSD, uh, yeah. oh, thank you. I'm, you know, it's bad to get old because you get things like that. <laughs> But, uh, you know, all, so, you know, does it matter? And and when you're building a team, if you can find people who are willing to be, and I don't like this word, really subservient, or at least not necessarily have to be the lead, I don't have yeah. to be in charge. But the whole team together is great because each of us brings a unique skill or talent or, or thing to this. So collaboration and humility works really well together. And then, you know, like, We could, this is something that is known around the world. 90% of people in jobs, especially in leadership jobs, get that job because they knew someone and they didn't just apply and walk in the door. And we tend to prefer to hire people who are like us, right? So whether it's race, gender, age, you know, experience, whatever it is, we tend to want people like that because when we have those faux faux pas, you know, right? So when I, instead of saying BSD, I say DSDBS, you know, you're not going to judge me for it, right? You're not going to sit and say, She is an idiot. She doesn't even know what this is. She doesn't even know what she's talking about. So I would prefer to people who are my age, who they know about these um, memory lapses that you have, <laughs> or these people who will have, instead of judging me for being the age that I am or being somewhat forgetful or whatever. So there's those parts and all of it kind of falls in together. And then to be inclusive. So one of the things I love to talk about is group thinking. You're too young to know what group think is. But <laughs> group thing back in the early days of IT in the 80s, group thing was a thing. It was the thing. So a group of people got together and we thought alike, right? So we all had a similar and we thought alike. And it was disastrous. It was absolutely disastrous. Because if I like vanilla ice cream and you like chocolate ice cream, does that mean we don't have anything in common? aren't we eating ice cream? So the group think thing was we all had to like vanilla or we all had to like chocolate. We couldn't like different things. And what we have found recently, especially in, in light of the last three or four years, is inclusion is so makes us so much more productive, right? So if you hire um, someone who is brand new to IT and you bring them into your field, most people think, well, there's a learning curve. This person's not going to really contribute anything to our team for a while. But if you think about that new person, what they're bringing, they're bringing experiences that you didn't have. They don't have all the history that you have, years, all these scars, these IT scars you have all these years. They don't have any of that. So they're bringing new perspectives. If you bring someone who's been who's worked at home or worked in a different field, you're bringing in a different perspective. So I think all of those pieces weave together really well to create a very nice quilt of, of a team but if you think about all the pieces of the quote as as individual uh, pieces of a quote you tend to have a fragmented team
0: yeah no I I totally agree and sort of talking about how uh how I don't know I guess I guess it's humility like I don't really consider myself like an an expert expert at much at all like I feel like I know enough to know that I don't know as much as Uh, real experts, right? Like there was this, uh, I can't remember where I originally saw it, but I just Googled it to, uh, to find the real name of it. And it's this thing called the Dunning-Kruger effect, Yes, which is you start knowing nothing and then uh, you, they describe it as Mount Stupid, where you get really confident that you do know everything. Yeah. (laughs) and then the deeper you get in you realize you don't really know anything and then it gets into the they call it the valley of despair and then you come up the slope of enlightenment to the plateau of sustainability and I feel like I've uh, at least early in my early in my career I reached that uh, peak of Mount Stupid very often (laughs) and just sort of like learning that you're there is uh at least for me I think that was a good experience because whenever you think that you've got everything like you probably don't like thinking yeah. about apache like i've done apache for a, a very long time i feel like pretty good at it at this point but there were like moments in my career where i would say like i felt like a true expert at it and then you meet someone else and it's like oh no like that's a true expert that's the person that knows everything or uh, or even you read a new book and it's like oh well i didn't even really know what apache really was like i've been using it to host websites and it does a million other things and it's I don't know, at least for me, like having that humility of knowing that, yeah, like you're going to be on Mount Stupid for a while (laughs) and maybe Mount Stupid is the wrong word for it, but Mount, not, not the expert that you think you are, uh, that's I feel like that has helped.
1: <laughs> yeah, active, I felt that way about active directory. I've been using active directories probably since they first came out with active directory. After that, I knew everything about active directory. And then after spending some time with Dan and seeing all the things he did with the containers and how, like, what? I didn't know, <laughs> you know, and it's so it's, it's being willing to admit that you don't know. And I think that's the greatest thing about being, a human being is the ability to admit that you don't know anything. So, yesterday we saw on the news where Afghanistan just completely crumbled. You know, and the president, you know, what was really amazing about this is he went on television and said, we didn't think it was going to unfold the way it did, but it did. And I'm not afraid of my decision. And that to me is one of those things where you really that's a leadership role, right? You admit that you did something wrong or you admit you didn't know something, but then you keep I i, I did this. I'm not ashamed. I did it. I did it. But I'm, I'm going to learn from this. And that's the most important thing that we can do, because what typically happens in IT in a lot of instances is we have witch hunts, witch, witch hunts right? Mm-hmm. So somebody makes a mistake, uh, something goes wrong, and we want to call them on the carpet, undress them, you know, tear them down. And for what? And for what? What have you accomplished by doing that? As opposed to, you know, the best question you could ask is, what did you learn from that experience? <laughs> <laughs> right. So if you learn something, if you're able to recognize that and the leader is able to recognize that the person is able to grow. But if you beat them down, they're going to retreat and be less likely to make mistakes or take risk or whatever it is. Where in a lot of times you need to go beyond what you think, you know, you need to go beyond this. Uh, my favorite Apache story is, is almost every Sunday night at seven o'clock, it would abort. Like, what in the hell is making this thing, you know, a cron jar? I'm like, what is happening here? What? You know eventually found out that that's just a bug and that a piece of our patching. once we fix that it stopped doing that but who knew why it was happening and every sunday night we go okay what is it what's yeah. happening and there's nothing in the system that indicates that something went wrong that you know something was wasn't we're expected to find it. who knows but that's what i think the benefit of a team is: is that you can come to your team with this and say hey this happened to me, or this is happening with my, my work, what do you think I should do? And the team being willing to step up and help and not judge. And the key of not judging is hard for human beings to do because we love to judge. We oh, yeah. love to judge. We look at people, we, we make judgments about people all the time and learning not to judge and accept that people are human and they are capable of difference from where we are.
0: Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And another thing that this chapter points out is like, post-mortems like when you're talking about you know something happened something bad happened something went down we need to figure out how to go forward like they should be completely blameless and like another sort of thing that I feel like I've seen through my career is that when something goes bad it is like very rarely the fault of a single person like it may be easy to point a finger at a single person but it is that does not mean that like it is that person's fault like Every, everyone, including myself, many, many times, <laughs> contributes to when things go bad, even if they're not the person that presses the button that actually activates that badness.
1: Absolutely. And I think that one of the interesting pieces is, is that for so long, we had been in this hierarchical structure where there's a, a CIO, a COO, a CTO, a president, and all these other p- people, and they decide And then they pass the information down onto the worker bees and say, go do it. I think that that's a flawed concept. I think that when the CIO, whoever this is, is, we've gotten a budget we're we need to do this thing. Everybody who is going to have a role in that team should be involved in that decision and discussing Mm -hmm. how we move forward. Because if the CIO or the people at the top decide, they're not in the trenches of of, of, affecting this change or making this, implementing this new, new system. They just said, go do it. Well, you know maybe they budget $10 million for it and it's actually $20 million. Or maybe they budget two weeks for it to be done and maybe it's two months. You know, it's like people who are actually doing the work need to be involved in the discussion. I think leadership is not being the one that says do it or this is what we should do. It should be the one who engages the team to find out how we do it and what's the best way to do it as opposed to saying, go do it. Here, I've given you this. I've given you permission to go do it, go do it.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, so the second pillar that they were talking about here is respect. And that was one of the things, so when you pulled together our Texan collab group, like for the first, uh, I don't know, first six months or so, I was like, I can't really explain it, but this feels like a really great group and I don't know why. <laughs> and uh, I think, I mean, I think there's many parts to why it's such a great group. And I think this is one of uh, your like giant skills is being able to pull groups together that I would say one of the pillars is everybody in that group is like incredibly respectful. Like, I don't think that there's been a disrespectful thing said, uh, I I don't think ever. Like, it's been <laughs> incredibly respectful. Everyone is very like, and I guess it's just like, there's no nitpicking on people. There's no, uh, you know, jabs at folks. It's just all, it's like a group of incredibly technical, skilled, respectful people. And I think that was, I don't, to me at least, that felt like one of the, uh, one of the really cool things about that group
1: <laughs> and that we can laugh at it at ourselves. You know, you can, you know, what do we pick on Kirk all the time? You know, we pick on people all the time and you know, it's like, okay, we're going to all assign all our tickets to Kirk. and uh, <laughs> You know, we all have a great laugh at that. You know, we all enjoy that because Kirk knows we're not going to do that to him. And you know, we all enjoy the response. It gets right. That we're able to laugh yeah. and have a good time with each other without being con. con- condemnation or or criticizing someone just just having fun you know being able yeah. to laugh you know in IT that's a rare thing because typically IT people are pretty stuffy you know oh, they yeah. don't want to have fun you know they're pretty uptight you know so so I think that that's really one of the great things about the team and I'm hoping that as you carry my team forward you do it with that, you know, that you you keep some laughs in there, you you have some times when you're not talking about technology, and it's fun, you know, and you get to have a little bit of brevity and a little bit of, you know, lightheartedness, because that, that fosters team, that fosters team, that fosters a commitment to each other, you know, like, somebody's going to say, hey, you know, I had this thing, you know, and I could talk to Drew, I could talk to Dan, I could talk to whoever. And I know I've got a good resource there. So I think that that's a really important thing is to be able to respect each other and to be able to appreciate that you can have fun with each other, you know, because I love picking on you guys. It's just so much (laughs) fun to say, okay, we're going to give everybody all of our uh, stuff to uh, Kirk or John or whoever. And just to see everybody laugh at that, you know, because we know we couldn't do that. That would be terrible.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, but it's it makes it it makes it very fun and just like a very uh, I don't know like light and respectful and I don't know is there an opposite word for condescending because I feel like it's the opposite of condescending whatever whatever that group is uh,
1: yeah I, I don't I, I I can't but I think we're appreciative of each other I think yeah. that you know when. When the group was first formed, I think it was forty-five or people. It grew to about seventy, and then people dropped off. Like some people dropped off. And one of the things I learned from that is this is not for everybody. Not everybody can work in this space with such a big group, such a robust group of people, such a big group of talent. Because in a lot of ways, the people who are, don't feel comfortable or are not sure of themselves shrink in those kinds of instances. So you have to find other ways to get them back. And so when I when I could see the group, because I can't see it anymore. But when I could see the group, and if somebody left, I'd I'd reach out to them and ask them, you know, why, you know, well, somebody said, well, I'm too busy for that, or I can't commit to an hour every month or something like, you know, and that made sense to me.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the last pillar on here, and I think this is probably the one that I personally struggle with most is like trust, and just trusting that everyone around you is going to do the right thing. And even like saying that I feel like, oh, I don't know that's like giving up control. <laughs> but I mean, I think to have a team really work well, like, I, I mean, trust is efficient. You can't say, hey, uh, I want you to do this, but like, I don't think that you're actually going to do it. Or, hey, we're going to work on this together, but I'm going to expect to do your part as well. Or I want you to expect to do my part as well. And I think that's, uh, personally speaking, that's the one that I really need to to work on.
1: Okay. Well, you know, so trust is one of those things that we all struggle with, right? So trust is a there's no relationship that doesn't have some component of trust, right? So whatever it is, like you and I doing this, it's a component of trust. And trust is one of those things you have to work through, right? So I think you know, and I hope you know, you could say anything. You, I, I'm not a judgmental person. I don't hold people to this, this value or this thing that they have to be. Just be human. So I want people to approach other people with the sense that even if I don't completely trust you, I've got to find out if I can. Right. So let let me see something. So let's say, for example, um, Drew Everett is going to graduate from college in December and I want you to do X. The very fact that I could ask you the question is trust.
0: Yeah,
1: because even if you say no, and this is something I try to convey to people all the time, you have a right to say no. You have, to, you have a right to say, I can't, I won't, I don't, whatever. And you don't You don't even have to disclose why you won't. But the fact is, give people enough room to trust you that they can ask. So your colleagues in, at work and somebody says, well, Drew, I've got this project and I'm struggling with it a little bit. You think you could have a look at it or do you think you could review it with me? That's trust. The fact that yeah. they asked you. The fact that because that's a big step to ask somebody to do something that you know, again, goes back to that thing I said earlier, you're going to be judged, right? So if I don't remember something and I don't know something and I ask you, Drew, can you do, or what is, and you know, the first thing you're going to say, well, she should know that. That's pretty elementary or, you know, that's something everybody should know. Maybe, maybe not, you know, so that's an assumption that we made. And that also loops and in inclusion, right. So different experiences and different things. Right. So um, I was playing this game on my iPad and, uh, my husband hates word games. He likes math games. I like word games, right? So mm-hmm. this thing would put up a word and it would give you a, a jumble set of letters. And so one of the words was manna, and it put it up N-A-N, N-A-N-A-M. And so I said, What is this word? I don't know. Like, okay, what do you think is And He says, Well, I can tell you the uh phonics rules the first letter has to be an m i said great we've got (laughs) something here so okay it's m so what next he could not get the rest of the words because he had never heard the word he had never heard the word "manna," right who hasn't heard the word "manna"? (laughs) he had not but i made a judgment that he had heard it and he knew what that word was I've been married to this man 2,800 years or something like that for a long time. So he knows me and I know him and I know he's a very, very smart man. So
0: I I don't know what that is. Is, I know there's a, I've heard of a video game that has manna in the name, but I don't know. I did not know it was a real word.
1: Manna from heaven. You never heard that. It's it's, it's in the Jewish uh, religion. They use it a lot, but manna, you know, they use the word manna, like manna from heaven, which means blessings from heaven or, you know, food from heaven or something, you know, but it's like one of those things where, the assumption we make about people doesn't always understand that we understand where they came from. So he has not, he didn't grow up around a lot of Jewish people or whatever I did. So I grew up, I knew a lot of, especially early in my IT career, I knew a lot of people were, so, you know, I would hear these words, but I assumed that he had too, and I was wrong. So, you know, in, in, in the trust piece, we have to take out assumptions and judgments and we have to give it a chance. And if we prove, ourselves right because we want to be right right i knew i couldn't trust that person i knew it you have to be willing to go back again you have to be willing to to give up that control that you have within yourself because you know we know we are always right and this i can't wait till we talk about that because that's one of my favorite conversations we are (laughs) always right we are never wrong and you're always wrong always (laughs) wrong. even when you're right you're wrong
0: that was, uh, so I, I think you uh, quoted, or I got this quote from you, but I think you said, uh, like, do you want to be right or do you want to have friends? <laughs> and that is something that I've tried to, to incorporate into more of my life. Because like a lot of times it just don't matter. Like, right. okay, right. you know, is it A or B? Right. I don't know. Like, it, right. it, it just doesn't matter. Like, we don't we don't need to argue about it. I can be set on that the answer is B. You can be set on that the answer is A. It's
1: fine. It, works. it works best in marriages uh, because, you know, Husbands want to be right. Wives want to be right, and everybody knows the wife is always right. It don't make any difference what it is. If you're if if you mm-hmm. say today is uh, Thursday and it's six o'clock, and the wife says it's Friday at eight o'clock, it's Friday at eight o'clock. It doesn't, <laughs> because to win that argument means to create strife in a relationship that is a successful relationship. So you know you know it's it, I think it's unfair to say the wife is always right, but you know like happy wife, happy life. I don't know where that came from, but it's one of those things where. If you apply it to your marriage, you can apply it to everything, you know, and, and even in parenting. Right. So your your child says, uh, no, dad, uh, four plus four times eight is something uh, 64. I think it is. But who knows? But that that's that thing. And you say, oh, no, I think it's not. I think it's 32. Well, maybe you can learn something from your child because they got new math and they got new. So, you know, giving up the the, the right to be right to be fair, and to be in relationships with people. That's the best thing you can do in a team all the time. So even though you might know that BSD is a part of Linux, and I think DBS is a part of Linux, is it worth our friendship? Is it worth our relationship for you to just cut me? Rochelle, you are just the dumbest woman I've ever talked to ever. No, it's BSD
0: oh no no, not at all and it doesn't even matter like it's uh...
1: doesn't matter we've got the relationship we've got the letters in there somewhere so you know we know we're in the same ballpark we may not be going the same direction but we're in the same ballpark
0: yeah thank you for listening to eminent teachnology if you like the show please review subscribe and recommend us to your friends and family we'd love to hear feedback from you as well you can email us at eminent at gmail.com see y'all soon